This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. Got a banger for you today. Uh, We're already fired up to welcome in the turtle man himself, the legendary Milton Stiegel, and Milt will join us coming up in about 20 minutes. And Mike McIntyre as well. And, uh, you know, obviously we were going to be talking a little bit about the Winnipeg Jets offseason, Mike's thoughts on where things are at. But the big news today is the official retirement of Bruins legendary center Patrice Bergeron. And many people, myself included, have thought that Boston might have been one of the best landing spots for Mark Shifley. What's interesting right now is that, you know, they don't have a ton of cap space. Connor Hellebuck is still here. They've got to sign Jeremy Swayman. I'm not entirely sure there's a fit for a potential trade as long as Hellebuck is still part of the uh, the Winnipeg Jets scene right now, and it certainly looks like that is going to be the case. But Joe Haggerty's going to jump on with us. We'll talk about just what he this loss means to Boston and this team going forward, as well as some memories of the great Bergeron. And then after that, we'll bring Mike on, get his thoughts on Bergeron's retirement and uh, if he thinks that there could be a fit between Winnipeg and Boston down the road for a potential deal if Mark Shifley is still on the trade block. Um, so it's going to be a real fun show. Milt Stiegel with a little CFL and NFL talk. And then we will get to Joe Haggerty and Mike McIntyre. Shout out to everyone that's with us right now. If you're with us on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button and make sure you've hit that red subscribe button. And for all of you podcast listeners, thanks for making us a part of your day. Make sure to jump on YouTube at some point and subscribe to the channel. And, of course, if you are with us on YouTube, you can find the WST audio version right after we finish the show every day in time for your drive home in the car. Search lock, or search Winnipeg Sports Talk wherever you get your favorite podcast. Just before we get Michael in here, a big shout-out to our friends and uh, sponsors at CoolBet, Princess Auto, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, Breezy Bend and Assiniboia Downs, Aikens Lake, Little Brown Jug, BP, Royal Sports, Consolidated Supply, Nick and Nicky DQ and F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, and Modern Man Barbershop. And we will do, we'll do a Patrice Bergeron related, why not question of the day for our friends at Not Autocorp, Overly at Waverly and McGilvery. Let's get Remus in here and get things going. What's going on, dude? Yeah, feeling good. I was, I was happy to see the Bergeron uh, retirement announcement. I don't think we have as many people here as the, when they announced um, what Barry Trotz was fired, but let the speculation <laughs> begin. Um, the first of all, I mean, what an incredible career Patrice Bergeron. I mean, he's what, just won the Selkie uh, for how many, how many times has he won it? Um, I mean, played for 20 years. He probably could still keep going, but after so many seasons, you know, almost 1,300 regular season games, Plus 170 playoff games. You've know, been playing for 20 years, but it takes a toll on the body. And you know, coming off the disappointing end, I think they kind of knew they were going for it. I mean, they traded away. Uh, they don't have a first, second, or third round pick in this upcoming year, and what? Then they trade another first round pick this year as well. But uh, they were really going for it, and they fell short against Florida Hus. Um, so I, I guess they kind of saw it coming. But it's crazy to think he's still on the top of his game. Played for 20 years, played for Team Canada, 
Um, what a great career, Patrice Bergeron, hanging it up. And now the Bruins, how are they going to move forward and come back after this past season where they had one of the best regular seasons of all time? Fell short in the playoffs. Now you don't have Bergeron, and you're all right up against the cap. So I'm not sure how they uh, replace him. But well, I think well, for, well, for well, yeah, for that standpoint, that, that makes it very interesting. But just not Bergeron, again, incredible career. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously the cup champ in 2011. He won the Clancy in 2013. He was the Marc Messier Leadership Award winner in 2021. It was the all-decade second-team center for the 2010s to, to 2020. And a six-time winner of the Selkie Trophy. A lot of people said it should just be called the Bergeron Trophy, considering just how dominant he was um, in that conversation for so long. And, I mean, as far as being a winner, I mean, one of the most decorated winners um, in NHL history. He uh, World Championship gold medal, World Junior gold medal. He was the World Junior MVP, um, Winter Olympics gold medal, Stanley Cup winner, World Cup of Hockey gold medal. Uh, I know there's the... Uh, what is there? There's the triple gold club. I mean, basically, he's literally won everything there is to win. Uh, and as a member of Canada, seven times he represented Canada on the international stage. Six gold medals. The only time was in the world championships in, two, in 2006 uh, that, uh, that he was not part of a gold medal winning team. So um one of the great players to play 1000 games 1000 points um he's going straight to the hall of fame but i think the aftermath of this announcement today remus um i mean the short term is what this means for the boston bruins um and i'm not sure you could have a bigger hole in an organization and in your depth chart than when patrice bergeron walks out the door uh they do not have a lot of center depth and with david krejci off the books as well you're basically talking about your top two guys. It's Pavel Zaka. It's Charlie Coyle. Um, and then, you know, Morgan Geeky came over. Uh, he was signed on a two-year deal as a free agent. Um, and then, you know, guys like Patrick Brown and Jesper Volkvist that can play. Um, there's certainly not another Bergeron walking in the door. And, of course, that gets a lot of people talking about, is there, could there be a fit with a player like Mark Shifley and the Boston Bruins if uh, a change of scenery is necessary for 55. The more I look at it, though, I mean, it's really hard, as long as Hellebuck's here right now, to find a deal that makes sense for the Bruins and Jets, um, considering what the Jets would be looking for and what the Bruins have to move. Yeah, and just on Bergeron, it's funny. Like I think of him more as, uh, for me, uh, what the World Juniors in 2000 and was it five in North Dakota, uh, Grand Forks, where he played with what, Crosby and Corey Perry. And it was funny, he was only playing in that because of the NHL lockout. And, you know, he had already played in the NHL and he was a superstar at that tournament. And it's funny, he actually won the Worlds in 2004 before winning the World Juniors, which is not a normal thing that happens. But as you said, he was on what, Canada 2010. Uh, which was an awesome team, 2014 as well, and the World Cup of Hockey. Remember, remember the World Cup. Anyways, uh, and, and it's, you look at the Bruins now, and he was on a pretty cheap deal. Has he signed for what? His cap it was 2.5 million, but there were some performance bonuses. Uh, what 2.5 million of that and a signing bonus? Oh, sorry, uh, what am I? Reading? His cap it was 2.5. He had a 1.5 base salary, which 
You, know, you talk about cap circumvention with Vegas. I think that's the biggest uh, cap circumvention. A, g- a guy who was making $7 million at the Selkie Trophy winner taking a $1.5 million base salary contract. Anyways, they did that. And so it's not going to like it opens up a lot of room for them, but it does open up a big hole as yeah. first line center. And, you know, we can you hear see people in chat already saying, oh, how about a Shifley to Bruins trade? But we looked at that. I mean, what do the Bruins have to give up? Kevin Chevaldayoff said, hey, these guys, Hellebuck and Shifley, are still big parts of our team. And then if if they did trade Shifley to the Bruins, they're not getting a Shifley-like player back. And they're, the Jets are going to have a hole at center. And the more we talk about this, I do start to wonder more and more if the Jets really try to take a run at re-signing Shifley Huss because I don't, they don't have anyone to replace him. Uh, it seems like no one really wants to uh, trade for him or it would have happened. Uh, maybe he tries to test free agency after this season and see what he can get there. But I don't know. Maybe they're... They're kind of stuck together here. The Jets can give them a really nice, a nice what five year, eight million contract. I don't know. I'm just just throwing yeah. it around. I I don't I know. Mean, listen, I hear more and more people speculating that. Um, I, I I think I still am in the uh, of the opinion I would be stunned if that happened. I think that you know with what happened in the second half of last season and what had happened the year before, um, I think it's pretty clear to both sides that. You know, um, you know, moving on is probably the, the in the best interest. And I mean, listen, people can blame Blake Wheeler for everything all they want, but um, it was more than Wheeler. And I mean, I think Mark Scheifele was right there as part of that culture that we've talked to so much about and so much has been made of right now. And if you're turning the page and you really want to allow a new culture to be created within this Winnipeg Jets hockey club, it probably means a couple guys moving on, and certainly they felt it was important enough to buy Blake Wheeler out um, and allow him to move on, and I certainly think the plan was, and I'm not sure anything this offseason, despite what the market has been, has really changed that. So, I mean, could he come back for a, a time next season? I mean, yeah, for sure. He's still under contract right now, and if there's not a deal that makes sense, they're not going to make it. But I am of the opinion that that extension won't happen. I mean, it's very. Here's a why not question of the day for folks right now for a not autocorp at Waverly and McGilvery. Of Connor Hellebuck or Mark Shifley, who do you think is more likely to get an extension? There's a very good probability that neither will get extended by the Winnipeg Jets. But if one of them did, is it Hellebuck? Or is it Shifley? Interested in your thoughts on that? Hit us up in the chat. And for those of you listening on the podcast, you can always fire us an X at Sports Talk. <laughs> <laughs> Sports Talk WPG. Am I doing that right, Rigos? Is that what oh, it is? Oh, man. Now? I think you nailed it there. Yeah, you can fire us an X. Yeah, we just X'd out uh, that the show is live. And I'll answer the question. I think I'm going to go with Shifley because I think... You've seen it around the league. I think it's easier to find a goalie than it is a uh, number one center. I always say, like, what, there's only 30 spots for a starting goalie in the NHL. I don't think there's more than 30 capable goalies of of starting. Um, I don't know. I think I just, they just, again, they don't have a replacement ready for either player. But I think... Have I, we forgot the fact that Mark Shifley, we called him a number one center, finished last season on left wing? I, look, he scored... He scored 40 goals last year. Has they already traded away Dubois? Like, who's going to score on this team? Um, and I know, like, Mark Shifley, people, you know, we hear this in chat. It's like, well, I know 
plus minus doesn't really matter, but Mark Scheifele had minus 16 last year. That counts for something. Well, if you look into it, at 5-on-5, he was um, only, what, plus 1 at 5-on-5, and a lot of those minuses were, well, uh, sorry, a lot of the minuses were empty net goals. I think it was like 12 empty net goals on minuses, and a couple shorthanded against. So at 5-on-5, I don't think he's as bad as people say. I mean, probably not great for a number one center to be even, but he does make up for it. On the power play, got a lethal shot. Um, I know maybe there's there's a match here. I would be weary of you know both players has coming up to thirty, like giving long term deals to players over over thirty. I don't think that's really happening uh, that much anymore. But I mean, he was the number one draft pick here uh, in 2011. He was their you know, first pick ever. Maybe something to be said wanting to have him around. Although Hellebuck would be your franchise player too going forward. It's a tough it's a tough call. Um, the poll right now. Uh, who's more likely to get extended? Hellebuck leading 59% to 41%. So I do think that's a good question. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, as I said, I would have expected if we were doing this uh, not question of the day a month and a half ago um, and there was an option that neither would be, I think that would have been like 90, 95%. Um, I, I mean, as I said, I don't want to, to I mean, we've spent enough time on this and I mean, I know I've gotten a little bit of a rep for kind of bagging on Shife, but um, I mean, we can't forget about how these last couple seasons have gone. Um, and listen, if you are really trying to, you know, create a new leadership group and culture carriers for this team, it, it takes some changes. And I'm sorry. I mean, just Blake Wheeler is not going to be, um, it's not going to flip that switch. And, and to be honest, I think this would be the best thing for Mark Shifley too. get an opportunity as well in a new organization. I mean, a place like Boston would be fascinating to see how he, you know, how would, uh, how it would turn out. I mean, I know there's some people you're going to play replace, uh, Patrice Bergeron with a guy that doesn't play defense. I'm not sure that you wouldn't get a different Mark Shifley. I mean, especially playing for a contract, which he will be this season, regardless of where he is you know, going to a team with that sort of a pedigree, um, a tradition of winning, a level of competitiveness. I mean, it's, it's almost expected in a place like that. And I mean, who knows, they might be able to get the best out of him and it might be a great spot for a player like that to move. Although we'll ask Joe Haggerty about this, you know, of the two guys that are allegedly on the market, Mark Shifley, and Elias Lindholm, both with very team-friendly deals with one year left. Although, what is it? What, a $1.2 million less for Lindholm, who's, I think, at 4.9? You know, what is the better fit? Um, but the bottom line is that um, Patrice Bergeron ain't walking through the door, uh, and I don't think either of those players, you know, would be able to kind of carry that load. But it's unrealistic to ask anybody to expect that. However, if you're looking... For a 200-foot player, um, you're probably looking more to Elias Lindholm than uh, than Mark Shifley when it comes to uh, comes to me. But uh, I, I'm interested to hear what Mike has to say. And we're going to have Joe come on first, and then we'll have Mike Remus, so we can sort of hear what the story in Boston is. Get Joe's thoughts on you know a potential fit for Mark Shifley, and then we get into you know does it make sense for the Winnipeg Jets coming back on the other side if Connor Hellebuck is still here. And, Got to be spending enough time talking about Swayman and Ulmark and their situation right now in net. Um, 
you know, you've got Laurent Brassois here. You've got Connor Hellebuck here. I don't think they've got room right now to make a deal for a goaltender coming back unless there's something imminent uh, with Connor Hellebuck or done before that happens. Yeah, so I, I agree. It would probably be a two-part move where you trade safely for Swayman and then trade Hellebuck uh, to someone for a guy and you'd need a center. So um, we'll have to see what happens. But I, I think the smart money right now has on both these guys coming to training camp and you know, maybe one of them walking for nothing at the end of the year or do they trade them at the trade deadline? Because I, I think they're going to be in contention for a playoff spot and they're going to have to make a tough decision if they're going to you know, sell right at the deadline if maybe they're a couple points out or a couple points in or say, hey, you know what? The, we got what we needed from these players. We want to take a run here and we're going to hang on to them as a quote-unquote self-rental. So big decisions coming up for Kevin Cheveldayoff and that's with those two players. And again, we haven't even mentioned the defense where you got uh, the seven guys like is what what's going to happen here? Hainala is and the Moose the whole year and Declan Chisholm's the extra D and they signed Stanley is just going to be status quo it seems like um, I know we've talked about these tough decisions on D and they seem to be non you know just hanging on to everyone and uh, like they did last year and lost Johnny Kovacevic and this year I guess what Chisholm's the uh, the healthy scratch or do they send down Cavill Bianco I'm I'm not sure it well, seems like we, maybe be, we're making again, we can't we're making freak a lot out. about nothing here. You can't really freak out about those things in the middle of July because no. there is still a lot of time. But there are some things that need to happen. We'll talk about it with Mike coming up. But first, we're going to hit a little three-down football with the best to ever do it, Milt Stiegel. Just before we bring in Milt, uh, a big shout-out to our friends at Modern Man Barber Shops, now with eight locations in Winnipeg, including the newest locations in either Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Modern Man Barber Shops offer a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Book your look online via modernmanbarber.com for an appointment and give them a follow on Instagram at Modern Man Barber Shops. Got some steamy weather coming in here for the summer over the next couple of weeks. People will be thinking about pool time and hey, why not make 2023 the year you take the plunge with Aquatech? Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And whole home renovations start with Aquatech as well. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, let them upgrade any space in your home. Aquatech's ready to make your rental dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. Uh, we got another beautiful weekend coming up, a long weekend in a couple weeks. People are going to be making the most of their summer. And with whatever you're using with your family to have a great time this summer. You know you got to power it up and you need batteries. And Manitoba Battery is the local option with the best prices in town, the best service, and the most convenient buying process. Whether you need something for a boat, a camper, a long tractor, a Sea-Doo, an ATV, Donnie and his staff have the best prices in town, beating the pants off the big box stores, and they'll deliver it to you for free anywhere in the city of Winnipeg on a purchase over 60 bucks to save you more time this precious Manitoba summer. It's that simple. ManitobaBattery.com for all your battery needs. Give them a call or pop by and see them at 1026 Logan Avenue. And just as we bring in Milt, big shout out to our friends at Canadian Club, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And of course, you can grab that CC and Ginger at IG Field at Manitoba Liquor Mart's or at your favorite beer vendor as well, available in 473 milliliter cans 
and in six packs and Canadian Club. The entire family available at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. All right. It's always a pleasure to welcome in our next guest. We know him as the best to ever do it here in the peg. 85 is synonymous with the turtle man, Milt Stiegel, who joins us now from TSN. Milton, what is up, my man? How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Just want to know, can you hear me okay? Oh, I'm we okay? can hear you great. We can okay. hear you great. Right. I, I know Almost I'm, as I'm, good no, as you look. No, no, you didn't have to say it. I was going to actually say that. I know I look good. I just want to make sure I can be heard. So and I appreciate that. <laughs> um, Mil- I mean, it's fascinating times in the Canadian Football League. Um, yes. Before we get to some of the other spots, thoughts on the Bombers on their first bye week, five and two, but with a couple of very, I mean, losses that we're still talking about. I mean, a real beat down at the hands of BC earlier in the season and then one of the more bizarre blown leads you will ever see in the Canadian football league a couple of weeks against Ottawa. Yeah. I mean, and I guarantee you, uh, most teams would love to say I'm five and two going into my bye week, but for the bombers, that's not the case. You know, this is not the bombers of old. Let's be honest. There's been some struggles there. Uh, we saw the fashion in which they lost their two games. As you mentioned, BC blew them out and then they allowed a, a rookie quarterback starting his first game. Uh, to come back in the fourth quarter. I think he needed 20 points, take him in overtime and lose that game. So there are some people saying, well, we shouldn't be concerned. No, there has to be some concerns there. My main concern is protecting Zach. I mean, he's been, I think, sacked 18 times this year. It was all of, they gave up 28 sacks last year. And it's not all on the offensive line. It's sometimes Zach holding the ball or a receiver not breaking off their route or a running back not blocking. But there has to be some concern there with the way this team is playing right now. Yes, they are five and two. Yes, they've won five of their seven games, but this is not the Bombers team that we've seen in past seasons. You know, uh, the offensive line, of course, has a big, been a big topic here. And at times it's looked um, completely unlike this group that's dominated for the last number of years. In a lot of ways, was the foundation of this team when Kyle Walters built it from the line out on both sides. But then you look at the fourth quarter against Calgary yes. and they roll out there and they run the football for 10 minutes and they squeeze the win out. They did the same thing in the fourth quarter against Edmonton. And listen, obviously Edmonton's had a tough time stopping the run all season long, but there has been some really good periods, you know, at times with games on the line from the bomber offensive line. Um, but it hasn't been as consistent. And I think that's where the worry is, Milt. That's the key, consistency. And this team has been the model of consistency uh, since Zach showed up, you know, the end of 2019. They've been pretty much unstoppable. But that has not been the case this year. And teams see that they're vulnerable. In past years, the question would be when they walked on the field, how many points would they win by? And now they walk on the field and against certain teams, and you're saying, are they going to be able to beat this team? So that is the question now. I mean, it's good from – from, from a media standpoint, from a, you know, a fan who's not a Blue Bomber standpoint, because now team opposing teams have opportunities of beating the Blue Bombers. You know, they're not the super team that they once were. And it's crazy that we're saying that because they still are five and two, but that has not been the case for Bombers in past seasons. So I'm sure, you know, Mike O'Shea being the coach he is, Kyle Walters being the GM they, he is, if they need to make changes, even though they are five and two, they, they'll definitely make some changes. Um, uh, just quickly on the Bomber offense, um, of course, they've been waiting for Kenny Lawler to come back. Um, he came back, made a big impact in that game against the Elks. From an offensive standpoint, Milt, 
how much does Kenny Lawler bring to the table, not just as an outlet for Zach to catch passes, but maybe opening up room for the other guys in the Bomber offense? Oh, man, it, it's crazy. And we were just talking how, you know, surprised we were. We knew he was good, but the fact that he hadn't practiced with this team, yeah. you know, all, all season or whatever. He had, you know, maybe two or three practices with him, and it weren't in pass. He hadn't get hit yet. But the fact that he was able to go out there and do what he did, it's amazing. And he's one of those receivers, and there are some few in the league, maybe five or six, where they don't have to be open. You could have a guy draped over him. And you can throw it up to him. And, and Zach loves that. He said he, it, he says it makes his job so much easier. And they have a plethora of good receivers, but they don't have anyone on that roster like Kenny Lawler. I don't know how many teams do, but it's special having him back. He's going to make everyone's job easier, as you just alluded to. He demands attention, not from one, not from two, maybe three guys sometimes. So that's going to open it up even more for Sean and, and Dembski and Wolotarski and, and all those other guys. So he's definitely going to make the job easier for everyone involved. You know what? We'll get to the BC Lions in a minute, but um, we're already counting down to August 3rd. The Bombers yes. finally have this bye <laughs> week, and then they'll have a full week of practice. Meanwhile, BC, with the injury to VA, has to go to Edmonton on Saturday and then play on a short week back in Winnipeg on Thursday night. Um, there's a lot of things going in the Bombers' favor for this game, uh, Milt, as far as the schedule goes. But it's pretty clear that I think these guys still remember the butt-kicking that they got earlier this year at home, which um, was kind of shocking considering just how successful they'd been for so long. What do you expect from the Bombers when BC comes to town on the 3rd of August? It, it, it's going to be a thriller. It's going to be a classic. Uh, as you just alluded to, they definitely remember that. And, and I'm sure guys like Adam Big Hill is really drilling that into his guys. Like, remember what they did to us, especially being a former BC Lion. Remember what they did to us on our home turf? We couldn't score a touchdown. We couldn't stop them from scoring. So it's going to be a battle. It's not going to be easy task. These BC Lions are special. And it's not just not having Vernon out. It's that defense. Ryan, uh, he has that defense. That defense quarter has that defense rolling. They are playing some great ball. And they didn't miss a step even though Vernon Adams got hurt. We knew they were going to win that game because the way that defense is playing. It's good having a, a veteran backup like they have at quarterback. Uh, but it's all about that defense. They can stop anyone based on what we've seen so far. So, those bombers are going to have to definitely devise a game plan offensively to attack that defense. They have two weeks to do it, and they're going to have to come with it to have the opportunity to win the game. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, we can uh, we naturally spend more time talking about the quarterback position than any other for obvious reasons. But I mean, you just nailed it. That that team is being led by a defense that I mean, hell, they came to Winnipeg and gave up six points, another single digit number on the weekend. Um, you know, and that's a luxury to have when you lose a key player like Vernon Adams, A, to have a backup like Dane Evans, who looked pretty darn good and sure did a number on the Bombers last year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, Milt. But, man, that defense in the season that Matthew Betts is having, I mean, oh borderline historic start. Yes, it's crazy. And he wasn't talked about at all in that game until the final play when he had to walk off sack, as we call it. But, I mean, he demands a lot of attention, and that's just freeing up for other guys. And that defensive backfield, those guys – are playing with confidence. When we were out there for their opening game, Peters, he told me, we're the best defensive backfield in the league. You can tell everybody we said that because that's how we feel and that's how we're going to play game in and game out. So it's good watching them play. But as you mentioned, that August 3rd game, and I'm sure they're not looking beyond the Elks because the Elks are, 
are, are in a pressure situation because they're trying to break a streak. But I guarantee you everyone is looking forward to that game against the Bombers August 3rd. Um, when we're talking about the West, it's been back and forth between Calgary and uh, Saskatchewan in their two head-to-head games, both one and one. And I realize now the team's probably a little different with Trevor Harris out for the majority of the season and Mason Fine now the guy. But, I mean, I think it's clearly BC and Winnipeg at the top of the division. It's clearly Edmonton at the bottom. When you look at Saskatchewan and Calgary head-to-head, Milt, I mean, who gets your nod as the better team and the more likely to be a challenge for either Winnipeg or BC in the West Semi? That's a great question. Uh, Right now, because of the way Mayer has played in the last couple of games, I'm going to go with Calgary. I mean, we're finally starting to see what we thought we would see. A big reason why uh, the Calgary Stampeders said bye-bye to Bo Levi Mitchell because they felt they had a – uh, a legitimate franchise quarterback in Jake Mayer. Uh, the first games, we didn't see that. But these last two games, he's starting to play some special football. Of course, they weren't able to win this last game. But the way he's looked, the confidence he's playing with, the way he's spreading around the ball, I would have to say definitely the Calgary Stampeders. Saskatchewan Rough Riders, their defense has gotten a lot better, but I'm, I haven't seen enough out of fine. So it's definitely the Calgary Stampeders, uh, mainly because of the way Jake Mayer is playing football. Well, um, speaking of quarterbacking, and again, this is tough to talk about. We're still kind of can't believe that it happened, that game against Ottawa a couple (laughs) weeks ago. But I will say this, as a Winnipeg guy who has had the privilege of dealing with Bobby Dice a number of times, if it was going to happen to anyone, I'm glad that it happened to Ottawa. And then they went and did it again. Um, like, we'll talk about Crum and the difference that he's made. But, Milt, you know Bobby very well. Yes. You've seen him before. Um, I've talked a lot about what a great leader of men he is. What do you think that he's doing right now as a head coach? And, I mean, they took a, they had a lot of bad luck early on, moving down quarterback after quarterback. How much credit does the head coach get for the will that this team is showing week in and week out right now? He, he deserves a lot in this situation. And, and I always say – Coaches don't win games, but coaches, when you have players who want to play for that coach, that helps out because I've been in situations and I won't name the coaches where I hated going to work every day because you hated being around the coach. But when you have a guy like Bobby Dice, who's just a great person, not just a great coach, but a great person, guys love showing up every day. They want to win for this coach because you want him around. You want to continue playing for this coach. So that makes your job so much easier. Also with Kahari Jones, who's also an awesome individual. They just have awesome coaches there. Travis Moore. These are great individuals. So as players, when you have great coaches who are great individuals, you will work even harder. You will study even more. You will make sure you're in shape even more to make sure that these coaches get what they deserve. So it's great to see Bobby Dice getting this. He deserves it so much, and I'm definitely happy for him. Um. That being said, you can't win without quarterback in the Canadian Football League. What have you thought about Crum? I mean, if you just watched the first 25 minutes of the Winnipeg game, yes. you didn't think much because <laughs> they didn't have a bloody first down. But, man, it's been different over the final six quarters. Um, but what have you thought about this young man? And uh, do you think he might stick around as uh, a guy making things happen in the three-down game? Well, it, it's hard to say that. I mean, based off what we've seen in the, what, the first two games he's played and you know, the game where he got in when Mazzoli got hurt, I would say yes. Uh, but we've seen flashes of quarterbacks like this in the past, and next thing you know, they fizzled off. But let's let's hope that's not the case for this young guy. He seems to be 
uh, a great individual. I talked to Kahari Jones, their offensive coordinator, about him, and he said he's confident. Uh, but as I mentioned, it's not on the, on, on, the, on the panel. It's not overt. It's not in your face. You know, he's a quiet guy, but when he needs to talk, he talks. Uh, he, he handles pressure well. Kahari said he's not concerned when he makes a mistake like he has been with other guys in the past because he's able to put it behind him. He's even killed. So what he's shown in these first two games has been special. It's not like he's been a front runner. He's had to come from behind and bring his team back, and he's been able to do it both times, leading two victories in overtime. I mean, that's definitely a confidence builder. That definitely lets you know that this guy uh, can play some football and there is no stage that's too big for him. So let's hope it continues because we need our young quarterbacks playing well. We're losing so many guys. Let's hope that's not the case for him and he continues playing not only for this year's but but for years in the future. Well, what, what, Milt, I, I mean, you can lean on a lot of experience in dressing rooms of both good teams and some teams that struggled and had big-time injury issues. Early in the season, I mean, you lose Masoli, you lose your number two guy. I mean, it looked really dire. And this team hasn't had a lot of luck and a lot of success no. over the last couple seasons. What does a win like the one they had against Winnipeg and then following it up with another OT win, what does that do for the guys in the room, especially the veterans that have been there? They seem like a different team against Calgary than they were a couple of weeks ago because I guess a little bit of success starts to get that belief going. And it's a hell of a lot more fun to be in these games and winning football games than talking to the media after another loss as talking about what went wrong. Right. Uh, I always say, and I tell this to my sons, the most important trait to being successful is confidence. But to have confidence, you have to be successful. And now they've been successful. They they, they beat the, the team that's gone to the last three great cups, uh, had to come from behind, and then they won another game. Just winning two games in a row for the Ottawa Red Blacks is a big confidence builder. And I guarantee you now this next home game – they'll get that fan base back. And when you walk into a stadium and you have a packed house, that says a lot about your team. That lets you know that these fans are behind you. That lets you know that when you make a big play, you're going to hear the roar of the crowd. And that, there's nothing like that right now. So that team has that snowball. They have it rolling downhill. And now they just have to keep that ball rolling downhill. Uh, they, they can't say to themselves, this is going to be easier task than what we played before because these Hamilton Tiger Cats aren't that good. They can't have that that mindset. They have to understand that every single game, they have to come with their best game. But I guarantee you, Bobby Dice won't allow them to have that mindset, and they'll go out there, they'll give it the best they have. And if they do, I definitely think they can get three wins in a row. Um, Milt, we haven't talked about the lone undefeated team, and that is the Toronto Argonauts. How impressed have you been with uh, the team, and especially Chad Kelly now as the starter in double blue? Swag Kelly. <laughs> I mean, we saw a small sample size in the Great Cup, what he was able to do and go in there and lead his team to victory. But uh, my colleague Jim Barker has been talking about this guy since last year. He's just saying he just needed opportunity. He was watching him back when he was in college and his little time in the NFL. And he said, this guy, when he gets his opportunity, he's going to be a great football player. And that's what we're seeing right now. I mean, they, they have a decent defense. Uh, but it's all about Chad Kelly and, and that running game. I mean, Chad Kelly has been able to do some some great things with the ball. He's making his receivers look good. They're good, but he's making them possibly look better than what they are because of the way he devised the game, the way he's able to process things. Uh, Ryan Dinwiddie uh, is putting him in great situations. 
Uh, their young defense court coordinator, Corey Mace, is doing a great job. So right now, and if anybody disagrees, they're lying to themselves, the Toronto Argonauts are the best team in the CFL. You know, I, we've spent a lot of time talking about this game on August 3rd with BC coming back here. The other game, Milt, that is going to be must-see is that visit of Andrew Harris and the Toronto yes, Argonauts to yes, Winnipeg yes. for the first time since last year's Grey Cup. And the first time Harris will be playing here in Winnipeg since putting on the double blue. I believe that's on the 29th of September. Uh, I know you'll be paying attention to that one. Yes, and he hasn't been involved in the offense as much. I'm sure that's part of the game plan. You know, A.J. Arlette, he's their guy. He is their guy. And Andrew, he's older. But I guarantee you for that game, Ryan Diddy, Dinwiddie will have some special plays for him. He'll more so than anything, if they get close to the end zone, he's going to make sure Andrew Harris is involved in there giving some opportunities uh, because that will be a touchdown like no other if that can happen. I mean, he won't go out of his way, but he'll give him some opportunities. And it's unfortunate that he didn't get those opportunities last year to come back and play at IG Field. But this year, it's going to be a special game for Andrew Harris. It will be a bittersweet thing. I'm sure he would still love to be in Winnipeg Blue Bomber uniform. But the fact that he's an Argo now and he won the Grey Cup against him last year and now he's going to get the opportunity to play back at his home spot is going to be a special occasion. And we're all looking forward to it. Well, and just as far as Harris goes, I mean, obviously they're going to keep on riding with the younger Ouellette right now. But I would imagine, Milt, that this is part of, uh, you know, in some ways a bit of a preservation plan for Andrew Harris. Because let's face it, this guy is still as much of a gamer as anybody in the Canadian Football League. And a guy that with your season on the line or in a big game, you want to have the opportunity to contribute. But I think with the amount of mileage on his odometer, if he can, you know, play a secondary role for the first two-thirds of the season, and then when the chips are really down, I think we'll see a heck of a lot more 33. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I think you're correct in, in, in the game plan they're devising with Andrew. I mean, he's definitely not an every down back anymore. And you don't want him taking that pound. I'm sure he doesn't want to take that anymore. He did it. He's been doing it for over a decade. So he's in a great position right now. He's happy that he's not doing that. He understands when he gets his opportunity, he takes full advantage of him. He's still one of the best blocking backs in the CFL because he understands defense better than probably any running back in the CFL. So he understands his role. He understands when he time to give AJ a blow, he gets in and he's still a powerful downhill running back. He's still great out of the backfield. He's going to catch every ball thrown to him. And he understands that maybe on later in the season in the playoffs, when they really need him, he's going to be a lot fresher than what he's done in past seasons because all that tread that's on his body is not going to be there anymore. So He's excited about his opportunity. The Argos love him. He's a great team player. He's a great role model. He's a great leader, and he's doing a great job at, at what they're asking him to do. Milt Stiegel with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And we've talked about most of the teams. I've left Edmonton for the end because uh, um, uh, it's, I mean, it's a uh, sad situation, to be honest. I mean, this is an important market for the Canadian Football League, and, I mean, you can't blame fans for – saying, I guess we'll see you next year. And, I mean, listen, Milt, you've you know, had such a long career. You played on some great teams. You also played on some teams that really, really struggled. I mean, yes. what are you thinking when you see the current state of the Edmonton Elks right now as they're on the precipice of becoming the first team in North American sports history, period, to lose 21 straight games at home Sheesh. if they don't get it done against BC of all teams on the weekend? Do, do I have to talk about this again? <laughs> do we really have to talk about these Elks? I mean, it's, 
it's bad. It's bad. And it's 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 one of, for me, it's the top story in the league. It's for me, it's the top story because I thought they were going to come out and have such a great turnaround than what we've seen in Chris Jones' first year. But it's even worse now. You know, you talk about home losses to ask the question, when are they are they able to get a win at all this year? And I know they're going to be pressing. But and I, I don't I, I said this on the panel and it hadn't come out yet. But the worst thing you can do is be in this situation, because as an individual player, of course, you're playing for your team. But you also understand that we continue losing like this. They're going to make changes. So players start getting selfish, thinking about, hey, I need to stay on this team because I got bills to pay. I got a mortgage or I got rent to pay. You know, I have a family that I need to take care of. So, of course, I'm thinking about the team, but more so than that, I need to start thinking about my individual performance because if we're not winning, changes are going to be made. And that's the worst thing that can happen when that starts to seep in, when players start thinking about themselves. But I can't blame them. It's human nature. You know, you have to concern yourself with yourself because you know changes are going to happen. They can't stand pat. They can't get rid of all the coaches, but they can start making changes on the field. And if you're an individual player, unfortunately, you have to think about that. And that's one of the worst things that can happen within the team. Uh, Mill, why are they in the spot that they are? I mean, Chris Jones has been successful previously. He won a great cup there. I mean, they certainly have some talented players. I mean, is this more a knock on Chris Jones, the general manager? Or is there a lot of coaching issues as well? Or does it just come down to the talent that he's put together on that team? Yeah, it's Chris Jones, the general manager. Uh, when when you're 0-7, I don't care how how bad you think the coaches are. That That's all on the personnel, the players on the field. You don't have enough talent. You just don't. And I've been in situations. 1997, Jeff Reinbold. Jeff Reinbold was not a bad coach. The, whoever the GM was, actually, I don't even remember who the GM was. It was the personnel on the field. And it was it was a revolving door. They brought in more bad players. They got rid of bad players and brought in more bad players. When you're 0-7, it's not the coaches. It's the players on the field. You do not have enough talent. You may have some talent. You may have some individual players. But as a whole, the talent on the field is not enough. And they're going to start making changes when they and if they continue losing. Hey, you were on that Reinbold team that you just brought up. I believe the team was 0-10 and, and then won on a home field. I think Reinbold got carried off the field, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Maybe got a Gatorade shower as well. But, I mean, what what will one stinking win do for that Edmonton Elks team? Oh, man. Especially it, it, at home. It, 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 it's a big relief. It doesn't take the monkey off your back, but it may take at least one arm from the monkey off your back. The monkey's not choking you right now, so it makes a big difference. It, it, it makes the locker room different. And I, I heard Taylor Cornelius say that, you know, you would not know this team hadn't won a game based on what's in the locker room. Yes, you would, because guys are starting to point fingers. I don't care how positive, optimistic guys, guys are pointing fingers. So that one win alone will make a big difference. And if it happens now, Definitely when they're on the brink of breaking the uh, the home streak record or whatever at 21, it will make a big difference in the outcome and in, in, in the atmosphere and everything that's going on with that organization if they can get that win this upcoming weekend. Uh, Milt Stiegel with us. Uh, Milt, I know we talked a lot of uh, football. How's, uh, how's soccer dad life these days? You've been uh, oh. hitting the pitch? Yeah, I've been on the pitch. My oldest son, Chase, and guys got to pray for my wife. He's he's about to go to DePaul in two weeks and start training and go off to college. And my youngest, Colin, is, is starting high school in a couple of weeks. So I am a soccer dad. Once I cross that border and get to Atlanta, 
I am a true soccer dad, but I enjoy it so much. I never thought my life would revolve around soccer. I learned so much about it, and I enjoy every moment of it. It's hey, great. speaking it's of great. it, you see, uh, you see Messi's debut for uh, oh, my Miami goodness. on Friday. Yes, that was special. The game up to that point was pretty, you know, mundane. But once they put him in there, and they, he had that that free kick, and the way it just curved, it's very few whom. If you're not a soccer fan, you don't realize how difficult that is. That's a very difficult free kick, even for Messi. But the fact he was able to pull that off, hey, that was a perfect ending for for Inter Miami and everyone involved. Well, I mean, it's amazing for MLS. I mean, uh, just more and more attention on the league, and you've got an all-time great, one of the best or maybe the best ever yes. doing it here in North America can only be good for the league going forward. Hey, before we go, I saw an interesting tweet on the weekend of uh, Chad Johnson giving much respect <laughs> to the GOAT himself, Milt Stiegel. Do you know Chad at all, or is he just a fan of your work from uh, watching? He watches a lot of CFL down in the States. Yeah, he does. Well, you know, when he was playing, I went out to Montreal and did an interview, and we had, you know, we had some things in common. We both common. We both played in Cincinnati. We both knew some some of the same people. But as far as being, you know, on, on a friend basis, there's nothing like that. You know, we communicate via social media every now and then but he's just a big cfl and football fan he's a a great individual and if he, he finds something he likes he really supports it so i'm happy that he support i'm happy he's still watching because that gets other eyes watching also so he's hey, a he's a great great ambassador for the league did you wear 85 when you were with the bengals as well no i wore 84 i wore 84 actually no i didn't get to wear 85 but the reason why i wore 85 was because another individual who wore 85 when he was with the Bengals, Tim McGee, who was, uh, and he doesn't know this to this day, but he he helped me out a lot when I was in Cincinnati, just not on the field, but off the field. So that's why I wore 85, but he doesn't know that's why we, the reason why I wore 85. He has no idea. Hey, Milt, you are the best. Uh, it's always great to catch up. Uh, keep on uh, doing all the great work with the panel over on TSN, and uh, we'll look forward to hopefully catching up. And, talking some bombers with you in the future. Uh, certainly, hopefully after a big win on the 3rd of August against the British Columbia Lions. That is going to be awesome. Yes, it will, man. I love what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Keep it up. Thanks, Milt. You're the best. There he is, the turtle man himself, our guy, Milt Stiegel. And, of course, you can see Milt uh, doing his thing weekly on TSN. Nobody does it better. And uh, great to see everyone in the chat loving the visit. From uh, yes, Quatre Vingt Cinq, I love it. Uh, and and Travis, yes, I, we are going to put out a uh, an invite to Chad Johnson to get him on. That would be a big get. Little CFL talk, little NFL talk. Would certainly love to uh, love to do that. Um, but thanks again to Milt for coming on. It's uh, always one of our favorite dudes to talk about. Now listen, we are going to talk to Mike McIntyre coming up in a few minutes. But before that. We're going to head to Boston. Big news today, the retirement of Patrice Bergeron. A little on Bergeron as well as what this means for the Boston Bruins going forward. Um, before that, though, shout out to our friends over at Vita Health Fresh Market who have great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And, of course, Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. Barbecue season's in full swing. You know what your grill needs? How about some delicious Vita Market grass-fed bison and beef steaks? You can wash those down with some sober carpenter beer or Zevia sodas. And listen, lots of DJ trips, lots of camping, picnics and whatnot. Pop by Vita Health Fresh Market. Their grab-and-go lunches are delivered fresh twice a week. 
And this month, get a free sapsucker drink with any Vitamarket sandwich or wrap. Vita Health, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Six Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Um, if you've needed fencing or overhead doors in the past, you probably talked to Wallace and Wallace as the uh, leaders in both since 1946. If you need the security and protection of a new fence, Wallace and Wallace has it all. Vinyl fences, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood, whatever you need, they've got you covered. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they've also got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Give them a call at 452-2700. The Wallace and Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them online at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Fellas, how's the uh, how's the wardrobe looking? Uh, listen, you're probably never going to look as good as Milt Stiegel, but you may need to upgrade that wardrobe to get you looking as great as possible for the end of wedding season and a big fall coming up. And to do that, head on down to F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. If you're in a wedding party, got a 15% discount for wedding parties, and you can find out more, find out more online as well, or you can make an appointment at F, that's E-P-H-Apparel.com, over at 190 Smith Street. And a big shout-out to Nick and Nikki for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk with the four Nick and Nikki DQs. Pop down and see him for all those great new summer blizzard flavors and treats at DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, and the always busy DQ just south of the city down in Niverville. Hit him up on Insta at DQ Manitoba if you want a custom blizzard or ice cream cake for an upcoming event as well. All right, Mike McIntyre coming up in a few minutes, but before we bring in Mike, let's head to Boston and talk a little more about the retirement of Patrice Bergeron, the legacy he lives behind, but also the hole in the Bruins lineup with just a couple months left in this offseason. Joe Haggerty joins us now on WST. What's going on, Joe? How are you? What's happening? Uh, it's, you know, uh, kind of a bittersweet day. Uh, congratulations to Patrice Bergeron on his retirement. You obviously feel uh, sort of gratitude and thanks for uh, the AEs put together a Hall of Fame career. What I'm getting, hold on a sec, Reem. You got that? Uh, I'm getting like or feedback or something. Yeah, we got to figure that out because, uh, anyways, yeah, we'll just start off again. Sure. Um, all right, let's go to Boston and welcome in our guy Hags, Joe Haggerty, to uh, discuss the retirement of Patrice Bergeron and what that means for the Bruins going forward. Joe, it's great to have you on. Uh, how big, I can't imagine this was a huge shock, but uh, it still is a reality for a team where, uh, you know, their leader for so many years, an all-time great, saying goodbye to the game and the team. Yeah, it's kind of a bittersweet thing because uh, there's obviously feelings of gratitude from everybody here in Boston, just what he's done over 20 years, Hall of Fame career, one of the best players of all time, certainly one of the best players to ever play in a Boston Bruins uniform. And, and there's a level of thankfulness from the fans in the organization for what he's done. But there's also the reality that once Patrice Bergeron retires, and we've, we've known that this was coming the last few years, obviously he's 38 years old, just turned 38 earlier this week, uh, that this retirement day was coming soon. It also means it's going to be a complete and total culture change uh, for that team. Obviously there's some, you know, other players that are going to step up and try to fill in, but 
You're talking about the heart and soul of this team, the leader of this team, the conscious uh, conscience of this team in this organization, and he's not going to be there in the locker room now anymore. So it's like, you know, there's a feeling of, wow, what a great career he had and, uh, you know, just appreciation for who he was as a player and a person, but also the the stunning reality now that there's a huge void for the Boston Bruins. Yeah, I mean, I just remember watching him at the end of the Florida series, and uh, certainly, I mean, it was a shocking upset to begin with. It was on home ice. But you knew that this was, in all likelihood, the way he was handling things, shaking hands with every single player on the team, potentially the uh, the end. Um, who, uh, is there a logical next guy that just walks into the captaincy for the Boston Bruins with Bergeron gone? I think it's going to be his line mate, uh, Brad Marchand. I think that's the <laughs> logical guy to really step in. And, you know, he's, he's a lot more captain-like now than he probably yeah. was 10 years ago, right? And, you know, that was Patrice Bergeron kind of rubbing off on him. But I think he's... You know, he's one of the lone uh, Stanley Cup uh, winners that's still on that team. I think he is the lone Stanley Cup winner now that's going to be on that team. Um, And the last holdover from 2011. And he's also a guy that's matured into one of the best players in the NHL. And I I think he's the natural guy to get it next, probably for a few years. And then you're talking about David Posternek and Charlie McAvoy after that. They're probably still a little young to be taken over that C, but I think Martian uh, makes a ton of sense for it. And, you know, there's obviously going to be a carrying of the torch and the legacy that uh, Bergeron built and the things that he and Zdeno Chara and other guys built with the Boston Bruins over the last 20 years. Uh, But it's going to be difficult. You know, there's there. Patrice Bergeron is a unique person. He was uh, a two way player that gave up offense in order to play Selkie trophy winning defense every time he was on the ice complete competitor up and down the ice, never cheated the game, never cheated his position, you know, just led by example in so many ways by the way he approached things. And he was also, in the last five years or so, he'd become such uh, the consummate leader, making sure every player felt welcome in that dressing room, making sure it was an opening environment, making sure it was the kind of place where guys wanted it. It was kind of a destination spot when Bergeron was the captain there. Veterans from around the league wanted to play for the Boston Bruins and kind of see Bergeron and his leadership abilities up close. So, you know, no matter who steps in, whether it's Marshall or anybody else, it's going to be, you know, shoes that they'll never be able to uh, fill. And it's really going to be, uh, you know, hopefully the legacy of what he's taught these young players lives on for a long time because, you know, there's not going to be another one like him in a Bruins uniform for a long time. It, it, it's such a fascinating offseason for a team that, you know, was historically good through the regular season last year. I mean, there, I mean, there's a long list of players that are finished the season with the Bruins that are gone. Uh, and now you've got this massive hole at center ice. Um, you know, even if you take out the leadership and all the other things that Bergeron did for the team, um, he was the number one center on that hockey club for a long, long time. Um, yep. I mean, fill us in on what Don Sweeney is doing right now because they do. I don't think they have a ton of cap room, and they've got Trent Frederick and Jeremy Swayman to sign to deals. Um, I guess talk cap first, and then are there options? We've certainly talked a lot about Mark Scheifele and Elias Lindholm here in Western yeah. Canada that might be good fits with Boston if they could even consider making moves to make that happen. Yeah, I mean, now that it's official, maybe something uh, comes loose as far as trying to trade for a traditional number one center like Shifley's a guy that I think has been mentioned quite a bit. Um, You know, people have mentioned him certainly in Boston. Uh, Logically, you know, the role he plays, the points he produces, like what he does in Winnipeg, I think on the ice would, would naturally sort of fill in what 
you know, 27 goals, 60 points Bergeron had last year, playing 18 minutes a night, playing in all situations, like those kind of things. Certainly that would be a natural sort of fill in. And right now, if you look at it, like Pavel Zaka is the number one center on the Boston Bruins, right? Uh, he certainly, I think, came on last year, had his best offensive season and, and showed a lot of people that, you know, he was worth that uh, lottery first round pick that the New Jersey Devils spent on him before they traded him to Boston. So, you know, th- there's potential there, but he's not ready to be a number one center. He was not a great faceoff guy last year, was kind of working on it. Certainly as a two-way player, I think he's coming on, but, uh, you know, both offensively and defensively, I don't think he's going to be a number one center for a, a Stanley Cup contending team. So, I, I, and the Bruins don't have a natural guy in the organization right now, a young player that's ready to step up and sort of fill into that role next year, this year, a couple of years down the line. It's a huge void both now and in the future to be the number one center for the Boston Bruins with Patrice Bergeron retiring. So I do expect that they're going to look around and see what's available trade-wise and sort of walk down these paths of guys like Shifley and Lindholm. Um, but the, as you mentioned, the cap is is a tough uh, deal for them this year. They may try to have to at least start the year with what they've got and then see where they are on the trade deadline because – Five and a half million they roughly have. Five and a half million is going to Jeremy Swayman and Trent Frederick uh, when their arbitration hearings come in or if they sign before. Just look at, over the last couple of days, Ilya Samsonov, Samsonov, direct comparable to uh, Jeremy Swayman. Their numbers were almost identical, very similar last year. He's going to get around three and a half million like Samsonov got from the Maple Leafs. And the, the comparables for Trent Frederick are right around two two point two five million. So that money is going to get eaten up uh, right away that they have left. So they're going to have to find somebody that's willing to take on whatever cap space they're going to have to trade for in a number one center. We all know they don't come cheap. So that's not going to be an easy job for Don Sweeney. It may not be something that gets done this summer or in, in training camp met during the season. It'll be, it's going to be interesting to watch. Well, it, it is. And, and, and I'm looking at it from a Winnipeg perspective. I think the Jets, I mean, certainly from what we've heard, are certainly open to moving on from Mark Shifley. But, you know, you have to make a deal that makes sense for your hockey club. And as much as the fit with Shife in Boston makes a ton of sense, when you look at this roster right now, it's kind of hard to see what that trade would look like. They've already traded their first-round pick next year. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you talk about getting cap going back the other ways, it's obviously not going to be Pasta. It's not going to be Brad Marchand. I mean, you've got Charlie Coyle, Zaka, DeBrusque has one more year. He's an unrestricted free agent. Yep. Um, and then you've got three guys signed long, long-term on the blue line, which I don't think. I mean, I guess Brandon Carlo would be a guy that the Winnipeg Jets would be interested in. He's got a modified no trade. Who knows whether the Jets are on that list. Um, I have a hard time wrapping my head around what a deal could potentially look like considering what the Jets would be looking for and what Boston has the ability to move. Yeah, I, I think the the way it made the most sense is if Winnipeg was looking for a goalie. I think that's really the one where if all of those dominoes Swayman. started falling, you know, Swayman or Allmark, I think Allmark would be available in the right deal too. And that's certainly somebody the Bruins would, would I think at least discuss uh, a guy winning a Vesna trophy. That's probably at the height of his value as far as, uh, as a player goes, but like you just look at, they're going to be paying close to $9 million in, in salary cap space to goalies this coming year after Jeremy Swayman signs his deal. And obviously both of those are guys that look like they could be number ones in the league. So uh, that's one of those areas that in defense are the two areas where the Bruins have excess, where they could trade something uh, in order to have salary cap savings, especially after they already traded Taylor Hall. 
I don't see them making any more trades up front unless they absolutely have to. So uh, I, I would suspect Grizzlick is a guy that they would entertain moving uh, as they're trying to get bigger on the back end. And they look at Vegas, they look at Tampa, the teams that have won recently, and they're all six foot two, 210 pounds across the board. Uh, Matt Grizzlick's five foot nine, 175 pounds. He's a great puck mover. Uh, they missed him puck moving against the Florida Panthers when he was not in the lineup uh, against the Panthers in the playoffs. So I think that's a guy they would look at. Carlo, if they had to, I don't think they want to move a guy like that. I think they like him and they value him as a penalty killer. Uh, but you, you look at what they have coming up. Mason Lowry is the, probably the prospect that's closest to making the team and, and really winning an NHL job. And that's a guy that could come in and replace one of their veteran guys. So I would look on the back end or at the goaltending position as the two places they're most likely to move somebody in order to make a deal like that happen. But I, I'm with you. I, unless something happened where the where Winnipeg Jets needed a goalie and wanted a goalie, I, I don't know that it makes a ton of sense with the pieces involved. Yeah, and and I mean, there is the possibility that they could need a goalie because we've been hearing all summer that, Con- that Connor Hellebuck could potentially be on the move, although that really has cooled post-draft. With most teams, I think knowing what the cost it would be to sign Hellebuck to an extension and what the uh, what the demand is, just from a from a Bruins perspective, and I mean we have to take the cap into consideration. Um, if Shifley and Lindholm were both available, who's more attractive to Boston? I think Lindholm's a better two hundred foot player. Shifley's offense is probably a little bit higher, um, and of course. Salary is important. I mean, Lindholm's on maybe one of the best contracts in the yeah. league with one more year at 4.9, at least for this year. I mean, Shifley is only 6.1, but again, that's another 1.2 in every dollar counts. I mean, do you have a, a feeling as to which way Don Sweeney would lean if he had the choice of the two players? Yeah, I suspect it would be Lindholm for, for the, the reasons above. And mostly, obviously, the salary cap would come into play a bit, I'm sure. But like, if you're uh, moving for either one of those players, you're going to be moving cap space too. So, and it, the cap thing with the Bruins is just a one-year thing. Mm-hmm. They just need to get through this coming season, and then the cap is going to go up substantially, and they're getting free of a bunch of contracts. So they're basically in salary cap dire straits for just this one year, and that's kind of why they signed a lot of those veteran guys to one-year deals that they did on July one, the James Van Reems Dykes and Kevin Shattenkirk's of the world, because they're just trying to get through the pain of this one season and then they can start spending a little bit more. So it's not that huge a consideration. I think it's much more about the 200 foot game about getting somebody that plays like Patrice Bergeron did, you know, the kind of thing that they're used to sort of the linchpin of your lineup, having a center that plays at both ends, uh, you know, and plays a responsible game and, and is, is going to be, out there to kill penalties, out there against the other team's best line, out there on power play, out there when they need a big goal, out there when they need to hold the team down in a one-goal game in the last minute. Like all the stuff that Patrice Bergeron did, and a guy that's great at face-offs too. That they're looking for all that. They're not going to find that because there wasn't another Patrice Bergeron in the league. But I would imagine they're going to try to find the closest facsimile to that that they can whether it's Elias Lindholm or somebody else. And who knows, maybe they want to start stockpiling Lindholms. They already got Hampus Lindholm. They might as well go for one more, right? No doubt about it. What a season he had. It just, uh, it's going to be weird. I mean, uh, there's a whole generation of people that, you know, have watched the Boston Bruins and know that 37 is going to be out there taking the opening face off on in the final two minutes, helping the win hockey games. And, uh, um, you know, he's going straight to the hall of fame. I think we all agree, but yeah. um, just on the way out where, I mean, he's sort of a quiet and a mild-mannered guy. I mean, certainly not, you know, uh, very loquacious. 
how will he be remembered amongst Boston Bruins fans and maybe Boston sports fans in general for a guy that just did so much for so long? He's going to be remembered as one of the best Boston athletes of all time. Uh, the guy that took the torch from Tom Brady when Tom Brady left as sort of the face of the city. Uh, you know, he was that the last few years. He'd been there for 20 years. He's going to be remembered for the, the class that he showed at all times. He's going to be remembered for the leadership that he showed at all times, the effort that he showed at all times. You know, he had game-winning goals, uh, scoring a huge game winner uh, against the Toronto Maple Leafs in that big comeback in 2013 when, uh, you know, my buddy Dave Gosher had the famous Bergeron Bergeron uh, call at the end of the game. But he's also going to be known for like the back check that he had against uh, against the Blackhawks in Notre Dame in the Winter Classic uh, that, that, you know, really won the game for them when he like tracked a guy down, full hustle going all the way down the ice, broke the play up on the back check, and then the puck goes down the other end and they end up scoring. You know, he, he's going to be remembered for playing through a punctured lung in 2013 during the Stanley Cup final against the Chicago Blackhawks. Just the amount of toughness that he showed beyond the leadership, beyond the skill, beyond the effort and the will, beyond, uh, you know, the, the, the welcoming of teammates. And I remember uh, teammates telling me after they left, you know, the, the links that he went to to introduce himself, to welcome them into the fold, to say they were welcome here, to, to, you know, if he noticed something was wrong with them or they seemed a little off, he would go up and ask them and talk to them about it. And he showed how much he cared for each and every person that came through there. And he was like that with the employees. He was like that with the media. He was like that with everybody. You know, he treated everybody equally and everybody was welcome in that room. So, you know, he's going to be remembered in Boston for all of that stuff, but I don't think he's going very far. You know, I, I think he's a guy that's always going to have a home in Boston. His kids go to school there. You know, they've grown, they were born there and grow, grown up there. I think he's going to be sticking around. It wouldn't shock me if somewhere down the line, he ends up a, a, a key member of that Boston Bruins organization too, when he's ready for it. And that's what he wants to do. And if he does that, he's probably going to be one of the best uh, in the business of that too, because he seems to put his everything into what he does. So that heartfelt message that he left today on his retirement and everything that he wrote, that's what's resonated and been there in Boston for the last 20 years. And I think what you're seeing and feeling around the city today is, like I said before, a thankfulness for everything that he did and kind of a sadness that he's not going to be doing it on the ice anymore because he was the prototypical Boston Bruins player, one of the biggest winners of his generation and one of the best Boston Bruins players of all time. And he was a better person than he was a player. And that's really, you know, you can't say anything more about a guy than that. Uh, my son is nine years old. He's going to be 10. He plays center. His favorite player is Brad Marchand, but you know who he plays just like Patrice Bergeron because he's watched him and I've pointed him out as that's the guy you want to be. And there are tons of kids that play hockey in Boston that play the way Patrice Bergeron does because they've been able to watch it and they've had the privilege of doing that. My son's been one of them. So I, I thank him for that. Just showing uh, my kid the right way to play center and he's been doing it. Well, I mean, listen, uh, I think there's a whole generation of Boston Bruins that um, learned firsthand what it's like to be a winner, what it's like to be a true professional. And uh, they did it from one of the best. And even people that, hate the Boston Bruins, <laughs> I think have a soft spot for Patrice Bergeron. And uh, certainly the Hall of Fame is going to be getting a good one, but uh, the NHL is losing a great one as are the Boston Bruins. Be a real interesting rest of the offseason. Hags, great to catch up, man. Enjoy the rest of the summer. Let's do this again soon. You got it. My pleasure. All right. Good stuff with Hags. Appreciate him jumping on. Mike is on deck. Uh, just before we bring in Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press, Big thanks to Princess Auto. Of course, we had a great bomber chat with the Milt Stiegelier earlier. 
the goat, the turtle man, if you will. Um, and all of our bomber chats on Winnipeg Sports Talk brought to you by Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and, of course, the Princess Auto tailgate zone two hours before every Blue Bomber game. And I can tell you that game coming up a week Thursday with the BC Lions, a huge one for the club and uh, should be another great atmosphere outside before the game. Princess Auto is also where you'll find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them at one of two Winnipeg locations or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Uh, lots going on this summer and you may be working on your property or thinking about improving it. You got to get down and see Spicy, Joe and the gang at Consolidated Supply as the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, New and used golf carts is the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. They've also got other great options for your property, including hot tubs, spas, and amazing outdoor kitchens as well. Pop by and see them at their showroom. Open to the public at 1395 Niaqua Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. Um, big one for our Canadian women tomorrow morning, 7 a.m., Ireland and Canada going at it in the Women's World Cup. If you're looking for Canada gear, including the sweet new jerseys our women are wearing, you got to get on down to Royal Sports, the number one merch superstore for fans of pretty much everything. Um, in addition to the biggest selection of Canada soccer gear, you'll find pretty much anywhere tons of pieces of Winnipeg Jets merchandise for the upcoming season and a great selection of bomber gear as well. NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, soccer from around the world. They've got it all, not to mention soccer, baseball, softball, tennis equipment, disc golf, and a huge selection of bikes. Get on down today at Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway, and give them a follow on Instagram for the latest merchandise drops and sale information at Royal Sports Pemina. And just before we bring in Mike, it was nice to uh, get a little of these. Uh, perfect time for the Jays to be playing on the West Coast. Midweek, late night games. Popped into BP last night. Had a couple appies, a couple schooners, and watched the Jays with their big win. Um, no better place to get together with your gang for any big game than BP. Schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the BP feature menu. And staying in, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's welcome in Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press before Mike sets sail and hits the seas next week. What's going on? How was your, uh, how's the holidays so far? Holidays are going great. Uh, got some yard work done, quality time with the, uh, with the dogs, of course, quality time with the family and much more of that coming up when we uh, yeah hit the high seas. We're, we're actually going to Miami on Friday, spending a couple days there. My son and I will take in a Marlins ball game. I haven't been to their park yet. We're going to go on Saturday. Uh, they're playing the Tigers that day. And then, yeah, we hit the uh, hit the high seas for seven days on Sunday, which should be a lot of fun as we sail through the uh, Caribbean. I just looked. There's no hurricanes in the forecast, uh, which is always a concern this time of year. So it should be smooth sailing and uh, some some good quality time. And as mentioned before, Huss, you can almost bank on the Jets doing something newsworthy while I'm 
far, far out of touch. Uh, and perhaps today's development with the Boston Bruins might just expedite uh, that process. I wonder if Kevin Sheveldayoff is getting any phone calls with a 617 area code today or in the coming days. Well, you know, and we just talked to Hags about this. The Boston Bruins are a really interesting team right now because um, they certainly, I mean, we kind of connected Boston with Winnipeg just through logic. They've got one of the biggest holes at center ice yeah. in the entire National Hockey League. And, you know, Elias Lindholm and Mark Scheifele have been rumored to be potentially available on the market seemingly would be logical fits. But the more I look at Boston's roster and who they have and the first round pick that they've already traded away for next year. I have a hard time imagining like a really good fit between these teams, something that makes sense for the Winnipeg Jets, unless Connor Hellebuck is moved because of course they do have a very good goal or one of two good goaltenders, right. which might be done. Mike, how much do you think, how much would you tie in any possibility of the Jets doing a deal with Boston on Connor Hellebuck going before that to another team as part of a deal? Yeah, I mean, it. like if the Jets are not moving Connor Hellebuck, um, at least within this next year, then they don't really have the need for a Jeremy Swayman, for example, who is a name that that's been thrown out there. Now, if Connor Hellebuck is leaving in one year from now, regardless of whether the Jets move him before the season or at the trade deadline, I suppose a guy like Jeremy Swayman could become a, a valuable addition in any event because they're eventually and in the very near future going to need some help in the goaltending department. But for sure, um, you know, the idea of, of moving Shifley and getting a goaltender back doesn't seem nearly as likely if there's not an, an immediate hole at the goaltending position. And, you know, you look at the Bruins, Huss, um, you know, they're coming off a, a record-setting season, um, regular season. And, you know, now not only have they got a massive hole at center, you know, they've lost, um, obviously, they they lost a, a Tyler Bertuzzi, did not resign him. They moved Taylor Hall in a cap dump, like, all of a sudden, the Boston forward group is not nearly what it was uh, just a couple months ago. And I can't imagine the Bruins are entering a, a rebuild, um, you know, going from, from where they just were. But uh, it's been a dramatic turn of events for sure. And, of course, David Krejci, I mean, they may have another hole at center, depending on, on what happens with Krejci. Um, you know, maybe they're in the market for Shifley and Lindholm and not just one of them. Maybe maybe they're looking at both. But, you know, that th when you come to centers, of course, those are the two big names out there. And so you wonder if there's a bit of a derby uh, competition, if you will, uh, you know, to see what the, the asking price is between those two players. And, um, you know, again, I, I think the Jets asking price, as you just pointed out, might very much depend on what happens with Connor Hellebuck. And I, I'm just not convinced, Huss, that we're going to get any Connor Hellebuck closure anytime soon. I mean, I, I I feel stronger with every passing day that Connor Hellebuck, at the very least, starts the season with the Winnipeg Jets. Whether he ends the season with the Jets, I guess, is another question. But, you know, if he starts the season with the Jets... Are the Jets then content to also start the season 
with Mark Shifley. And I guess unless they get an offer that blows the doors off, um, I think the answer to that is probably yes as well. Um, who's more likely to be dealt before the start of the season in your mind? And and, and how likely is that even as we talk about sort of, it certainly seems like the uh, those numbers have diminished greatly yeah. post-draft and free agency on both yeah. sides. Yeah, I think the percentages are getting, as I said, lower by the day, but I, I still would almost chalk it up to Mark Shifley being the more likely of the two. If one of the two is getting moved, um, that, that it would be Shifley. I mean, part of that, yes, the Jets went and signed uh, Lauren Bressois, of course, but they didn't re-sign David Riddick. So I don't think we can read anything into that. That's just a straight replacement for the backup they had. Colin Delia was an interesting signing, I suppose, because some viewed that as the Jets almost signing two potential NHL backups in Bressois and Delia. I think the more likely scenario, though, was Delia is just meant as, as insurance to be the third stringer, you know, to go down and work with, um, what they have on, on the moose, of course, at this point, Oscar uh, Salmanen, and likely Thomas Milich, the the kid they just took from the dub, you know, the reigning WHL goaltender of the year, that he's probably fifth on the depth chart to start his pro career, and he might go start in the ECHL maybe at, at the start of this coming season. So I don't think by signing Brassois and Delia, that in and of itself was a tell that the Jets feel that they were moving Connor Hellebuck because I, I honestly don't think they would go into the season with that as the goalie tandem. But then that brings us back to the Bruins and Shifley and talk of perhaps Jeremy Swayman. Obviously a swayman Brassois pairing would be a lot more attractive than a Brassois-Delia pairing. Uh, but it, it does seem like there's a bit of dominoes here. And right now, both those big dominoes, Shifley and Hellebuck, they're still standing. And as I say, I think the odds of either of them falling before camp are fairly slim at this point. But if I had to wager, I, I would say Shifley is the more likely of the two to get moved. And what happened today with the Bruins probably at least ticks that up a few uh, percentage points. Yeah, I mean, I think more people like us will be talking about it. Yeah. I'm sure there's probably already been conversations between Chevy and Don Sweeney. But again, I mean, I go back to this roster and I have a hard time looking at a deal that sort of makes sense. Uh, listen, a guy like Brandon Carlo, would he look good on the Jet Blue Line on the right side for the next four years? Absolutely. He's only making $4.1 million and he's got a modified no trade clause um, for the next two seasons, a 10-team no trade list. Good chance that the Jets might be on that list. So I'm not even sure if he's a possibility. Right. It's not going to be McAvoy or Hampus Lindholm. It's not going to be Pasternak. It's not going to be Brad Marchand. It's probably not Char Charlie Coyle, um, you know, who, of course, is, you know, very important player on that club. And he's at 31. Is that a guy the Jets are looking to bring back? Probably not. So you wonder. I mean, Jake DeBrusque's been a guy that's mentioned. He's so on I an expiring contract this year. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, Jake DeBrusque is an interesting name because um, I know for a fact the Jets had sniffed around Jake DeBrusque previously. Of course, Jake DeBrusque very publicly made a, a trade request, which he then went on to later rescind. Uh, and the Jets were absolutely interested in Jake DeBrusque. Obviously, Jake DeBrusque didn't end up moving. In fact, he signed a short-term extension with the Bruins. But as you point out, Haas, 
he's he he is a pending UFA one year from now. Now again, which is exactly, of course, what Mark Shifley is a pending UFA in a year from now. I just think if you're the Jets, you wouldn't do a deal like that unless you felt like you were going to re-sign Jake DeBrusque to an extension. Jake DeBrusque is coming off uh, a career-best season, uh, 27 goals last year that tied his career high uh, and 50 points, and he did that, which is a career high, and he did that in just 64 games. And he's still only 26, and he's a Western Canadian kid you know, from, from Edmonton, former 14th overall draft pick. Um, so I, I suppose if you're the Jets, if you could turn an expiring Shifley into Jake DeBrusque with an extension, um, and and we know what the Jets are likely trying to do around here, Haas, they're, they're trying to remain competitive. I suppose that is a deal that might make some sense. And the Bruins, you know, they trade a winger in DeBrusque and they get a center. Again, I would think, though, they would want certainty of an extension as well and not just a rental. So a lot of moving parts, but that is one name if you're looking at kind of the active roster in addition or in lieu of Brandon Carlo, who is a defenseman that I think there at least been some chatter about. But I don't know how realistic, as you say, modified no trade are the Jets on that. Certainly the Jets would love the fact that he signed for this coming year plus three more at a very reasonable 4.1, and he's a right-shot defenseman. So a lot of, of things that the Jets would obviously ver- uh, like very much. Whether or not that would be a fit, I, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, if it's even a possibility. I mean, listen, would it be a fit? Yeah. Um, now, again, I guess that brings us to another conversation about the Jet blue line. Um, you know, there's still, you would have to think, a shoe to drop or two. Right. Um, well, I'll ask you right off. What do you make of Logan Stanley's situation right now? I mean, uh, you know, needing a contract, reportedly asking for to be moved last year when he'd sort of fallen out of the Winnipeg Jets top six. He's been around here for a long time. He certainly had a chance to play in three seasons, Mike, and only ended up being in 19 games, partly because of injury, but partly because he couldn't crack the lineup. Um, right. Does he sign? Does, is Logan Stanley in Winnipeg Jet training camp in a couple months? Well, I just don't think Logan Stanley would have much ground to stand on to, for example, hold out. Um, you know, this isn't a Jacob Truba no, of a few I, years ago. I wasn't so, suggesting a holdout right. at all. I mean, just the potential that the Jets move on from him. Yeah. Or if that was going to happen, it would have happened already, and we should expect him to be here. Yeah, it's interesting that he was arbitration eligible and he did not elect for arbitration. I mean, I think that alone tells you he probably knew that he wouldn't have much of a case, you know, just coming off the year that he just had. I don't expect his number is going to come in much beyond the contract that just expired. So, you know, money's not an issue here, um, regardless of whether he signs as an RFA with the Jets or with another organization. But yeah, I mean, I, I just think that there's not much of a trade market at this point for Logan Stanley. Because I think, Haas, if there was, it was likely then we would have seen him move maybe at the draft at the very least for even if it was a late round pick where the Jets could at least turn a disgruntled, you know, Logan Stanley, who's not even in the top six mix anymore. If they could have turned him into a future asset, I think they probably would have done that. Um, you know, there was some talk, of course, of him maybe being involved in the Dubois deal. That ultimately didn't come to fruition. 
and so I think Logan Stanley, like he's he's in a kind of a similar spot as Jansen Harkins is in the forward group, a drafted and developed player who's kind of lost his spot, his starting spot, and would like a change of scenery. I think the Jets, just like Harkins, would probably accommodate that request, but they're not going to just completely give him away for nothing. And if basically nothing is being offered, um, you know, I, I just think they're almost at a standstill at this point. So will that change as we get closer to camp, as teams reassess where they are, you know, maybe some injuries? Again, Logan Stanley, there's a lot of tools there that, GMs around the league would be intrigued by and the fact is he's going to come in on his new deal as an RFA at a very reasonably low number so we're not talking about a uh, uh, a budget buster here so yeah I think if you're the Jets you're still looking around to see where you could maybe find a home for him Uh, but I also think that the bigger priority for the Jets isn't so much what you do with Logan Stanley it's what you potentially do with a bigger piece on your blue line. And are you running it back with essentially the same veteran core that you've had now for a couple seasons that really hasn't been good enough collectively. And now you're doing it Haas with two of those guys, Brendan Dillon and Dylan DeMello in the same boat as Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck and Nino Niederreiter. And that they are also pending UFAs one summer from now. Um, You know, I think we've been expecting a move or two when it came to a veteran piece to perhaps create an opening for a Declan Chisholm or a Billy Hainala, but also to give the blue line a bit of a different look. So far, all is quiet on that front. So going back to what you asked me a few minutes ago, the the percentage or the likelihood of a a, a Hellebuck or Shifley trade, as remote or small as I'd say those percentages are, I still think a, a defenseman being moved uh, trumps those two in terms of a higher percentage of it happening. Yeah, um, it, you, the defense is fascinating because, I mean, you got Morrissey, Schmidt, Pionk, Dylan, DeMello, Samberg as your top six right now on the depth chart, all with contracts. Capo Bianco has another year on his yeah. deal. A guy they love in that 7-8 role who can sit in the press box for weeks at a time, won't complain, good practice guy, good teammate. And you would think that they have him slotted in a pretty similar role this year, Haas. Well, you do, except, I mean, to me, Declan Chisholm's a guy that might change that a little bit. Because he is a player that I think that does a lot of the things that Kyle Capobianco brings to the table. Yeah, Maybe with a higher ceiling and a higher potential once they get games in and do you have Declan Chisholm sit in the press box when Capobianco has the opportunity to go in? Would he be a guy that would get his first crack to go in if a player is injured? Uh, and then, I mean, the, the bottom line is you want these young guys to play. Yeah. Um, I don't think they, I mean, we talked to enough people at the draft and asked if Declan Chisholm was available on waivers, would he get picked up? And it was a resounding yes from pretty much everyone that we talked to that knows the league in the American Hockey League as well. So, I mean, again, you put that into a situation where it's not necessarily needs to be an everyday player, but you don't want him basically doing what Capobianco did was sitting long, long stretches without playing. 
So, I mean, it's fascinating. And I could see Capabianco potentially put on waivers. I'm not sure whether he would get picked up. And maybe he's a guy with the moose that you can bring up when you need. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty clear that this team, I think, is going to be carrying eight defensemen when we begin the season. And that guy on the eighth spot on the depth chart could be spending long times in the uh, long time in the press box unless someone's moved or of course there's always the potential of injury and Huss, if if we had to sit here today and you asked me to rank seven eight nine because i think the the six that you just mentioned that's your top six right now without a trade morrissey schmidt pionk dylan demello samberg and i just rank them in order of their salaries that they make um, not necessarily their importance to the team but that's your top six those guys are going to be in your – I expect if everyone's healthy, those are the six guys on opening night. Uh, and, and Again, unless one of them is traded between now and then. But then if I had to rank seven, eight, nine, I'd have Declan Chisholm likely as your number seven right now. Logan Stanley right now is probably your number eight. And Kyle Capobianco would be your number nine. And unfortunately, that means a guy like Vili Hainala, and this has nothing to do with merit – it's more contract situation. He's probably number 10 right now because unlike the nine guys that we would have just listed ahead of him, he doesn't need waivers. And so the Jets likely have him parked with the Moose again to start the year unless they create a couple openings that could elevate him. Or in fact, if he's a guy that ends up getting moved um, because the Jets feel like they could turn him into something else. Uh, that's why I think the blue line to me is is maybe the most interesting thing right now when it comes to the Jets. Not that the Hellebuck and Shifley situations aren't intriguing. I just think it's more likely we see movement when it comes to the blue line before the season starts than we do when it comes to the number one center or the number one goalie. Um, Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg Free Press with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. You know like looking ahead to next season, if nothing really does happen before camp, you've got this, you know, this defense situation at which somebody is going to be being put on waivers, you know, whether it's Stanley who'll get picked up, I would imagine for sure. I mean, just the size of his alone, someone yeah. will take a chance and see, Oh, maybe we can turn this guy into something. I'd say less so with Capo Bianco agreed, but you're going to have eight defensemen on the roster if you have Kellebuck come back and you have a Shifley come back and nothing changes in their, in their uh, contracts, like there's no extensions, you've got your most best player, most important player and best player in Hellebuck as an unrestricted free agent. You've got your top center potentially uh, on a, on that deal. You've got Nino Niederreiter. You've got Dylan DeMello. You've got Brandon Dylan. <laughs> all on expiring contracts. And to be honest, of those five, I think the most likely that to sign an extension is Nino Niederreiter. Agreed. Um, but Mike, I guess this is the million dollar <laughs> question. If the Jets are doing exactly what they apparently want to be doing, and that's being competitive and win hockey games and be a playoff team, what the hell happens at the deadline if none <laughs> of that changes? And you've got significant offers for players like that but a team that believes they've got a chance to be competitive in the playoffs. I mean, could you see the Jets just running into the playoffs and seeing what happens at the end of this year at the expense of probably some pretty significant assets coming back on deadline deals for guys that certainly would have significant value? Well, that would definitely be living in the moment, Huss. Um, not, yeah. not the best asset management, that's for sure. And that's probably an understatement. 
it would also in a way be sort of contrary to a lot of what the Jets seemingly have been about, which is drafting and developing and certainly not just letting valuable pieces leave for nothing. Um, you know, you don't often see a, a superstar just walk for nothing. We saw it obviously with Johnny Gaudreau kind of seemed to take the flames by surprise. And uh, certainly one year into that, it seems like the flames, um, you know, took a significant step back last year. I realized there were other things that happened around that team. Uh, but, you know, you, you'd hate to, to just lose Shifley and Hellebuck and then throw in, as you say, some of these other players. Um, you know, granted, Nita Ryder, Dylan, and DeMello were all acquired via trades, but the Jets gave up assets to bring those players in. You'd at least like to try and recoup an asset or two if those players are not staying here beyond next year. But you're right, it creates, I, I suppose in a way, Huss, an extraordinary amount of pressure and a significant microscope for this team to see how they start the year. If that, if they in fact start with all of these guys on expiring contracts and significant players, um, you know, how they perform in those first few months of the season will be fascinating to watch. And then, as you say, it creates quite the dynamic. What if the Jets are in a playoff spot do they would they pull the plug and and essentially wave the white flag and 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 start selling off i mean that i don't imagine that would be a very good message to the fan base that you've asked to now invest in your product well i mean there'd be a lot of fans i think that would be on side with that i'll tell you the message that it wouldn't be good to, to the, the guys in the room that yeah. have worked their asses off all year to be in a position where they feel they've got a shot and compete well, and, and I suppose then if you're the Jets, maybe you hope that if things are going so well that you can't fathom the idea of moving any of these pieces, is the idea then that you circle back to those players who maybe maybe some or some of them weren't going to sign here long term. They were going to explore free agency. Did they reevaluate? Did they say, actually, maybe the grass isn't greener somewhere else. The grass is pretty green here right now. So I guess it could work both ways, right? I mean, if things are going so well, you maybe create an environment where you hope that these players don't want to leave and you you don't want to let them leave because you've got a really good thing going. And and I guess if things aren't going that well, um, then you, you you sell them off and maybe there's a market. And we again, we saw what Kevin Sheveldayoff was able to do with a guy like Andrew Kopp, who the Jets went into that season couple of years ago with Andrew Kopp on an expiring contract. And I think we would all agree the Jets made out pretty well. It may turn out that they made out really, really well, depending on the development of, of guys like Brad Lambert and Elias Salmonson. But certainly the early returns on that deal are encouraging. And But Kopp was a bit of an isolated case where, you know, that year there wasn't Kopp plus four other guys all in that same boat. I guess Paul Stasny was us. Very different situation, though. Paul Stasny was 35 years old. And, you know, yeah, I guess you could say maybe the Jets shouldn't have hung on to him the way they did. But would they have got much for him? Probably not. Uh, this would be a bit of a different animal. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to create, you know, there's a lot of intrigue now about what the team does. But if, if it's status quo to start the year... Uh, I suspect the intrigue will only increase. And not only will we as media and as fans be watching what the team does, no doubt a lot of GMs around the league will have a lot of eyes on Winnipeg 
for the possibility that there could be a fire sale at the trade deadline with some very valuable parts. Well, and, and to be honest, I think for the Jets, um, you know, to maybe avoid that situation, I think, you know, it might be prudent to be more aggressive in making those deals. I mean, it doesn't have to be, I guess, for the first game of the season, but, you know, in October, in November, as teams sort of shaking out, you sure. might have guys get hurt, guys going LTIR, um, because you do get into a very dangerous territory if you push it to the deadline, albeit if you have that plan that you are going to move those players, um, it probably is the best time to do it. I mean, I think we can say history tells us that players like a Connor Hellebuck or a Mark Shifley without term on the end of their deals can still go for major, major returns at the deadline with two-thirds of their yearly salary already paid out. For sure, but there's also risk for the Jets the longer you wait because, of course... This is a contact sport. Players get hurt. And imagine how that would play if the Jets are out of the playoff race and all signs point towards them moving on from certain guys, but they hang on too long and then that player or players suffer a significant injury that basically knocks them up for the rest of the year. Now Now you've waited too long and it's come back to bite you. So a lot of risk for sure. Um, and probably uh, much of what is keeping Kevin Chevalier off and company uh, up at night, kind of tossing and turning over. No doubt about it. Listen, dude, I know you got to run. Thanks for the chat as always, and have a uh, great week on the high seas. We'll talk to you when you get back. You bet, Huss. Looking forward to it. And, uh, yeah, we'll touch base right after the uh, long weekend. Yeah, I'm just waiting for the moment when you finally get to a Wi-Fi area after a couple days on the seas and find out that, Hellebuck and Shifley were traded in a package about an hour after you got out of contact area. Bank on it. <laughs> Take it Take easy, that. dude. Thanks so much. All right, there's Mike McIntyre with us here on the uh, on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, tomorrow, tomorrow night's our big night, folks. Gold Eyes game. Shout out to everyone that has bought tickets. We are looking forward to seeing all of you there. Going to put together a few prize packages for some folks. Come thirsty, come hungry. We'll see you there at 6.30 p.m. And, of course, the Gold Eyes are back, and they do begin this week-long homestand with a ton of promos, including tonight's Ukrainian night with the 6.30 first pitch. Um, tomorrow, as I said, we'll look forward to see all of you. If you missed out on getting tickets but you do want to come, um, just go to the box office or uh, go online and try and get a ticket in and around Section D. Uh, but we'll all be along the left field line near Craft Beer Corner. Would love to see a few more people jump on. And thanks to everyone that supported it. Should be a great week for the Gold Eyes and a great week for our event. And, of course, while we're there tomorrow, I have a feeling much of the WST crew will be enjoying some of our favorite little brown jug. Of course, the Gold Eyes is all local beer. and Nothing better for when it comes to local beer than little brown jug. 1919 there as well as the generic lager which has just been a great addition to the lineup for the summer and of course some other great ones down at craft beer corner as well pop down and see them brewery tap room beautiful new patio you can get all your little brown jug favorites on william avenue in the exchange or pick up little brown jug anywhere that sells great beer um, looking forward to a big event coming up tonight at Breezy Bend. Should give congratulations, though, to Elmhurst 
the Elmi team with the big three-peat in the Monday Putter League last night. Some excellent, excellent young players on both those teams from Breezy and from Elmhurst. Uh, but tonight, Mark Stone, the guest of honor. Well, the Stanley Cup, the guest of honor, brought by Mark Stone. Should be a great night. Looking forward to being involved in that event. And of course, if you're looking for a great long-term home for you and your family, check out Breezy Bend. Get on the waiting list for next year. Give our pal Corey Johnson a call over at the uh, the course or find out more online at breezybend.ca. And a big shout-out to our friends at Aikens Lake as well. Heading out there in a couple weeks. Cannot wait. My favorite three or four days of the year every year. If you're thinking about an amazing fly-in fishing experience where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Lake is the spot. And as incredible as the world-class fishing is, the world has hospi- world-class hospitality awaiting you from the Turin family and the Aikens team is what really puts it over the top. Aikenslake.com online and at Aikens Lake on X. Um, let's get uh, Michael <laughs> yeah, Remus in X. here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, know what? I'm, I'm, you know what? Hey, listen, I'm just going along with the rebranding right now, and um, I'm just trying to remember that, you know, we spend a lot of time talking or communicating on Twitter. It's not Twitter anymore. It's X, or at least for the next little while until Microsoft sues their pants off because apparently they have the trademark. Yeah, look forward to see what happens. I'm still so thrown off. Like, I'm used to, you know, we DM all the time, and I have, everyone knows I got, like, 30 tabs open, and I'm so used to seeing the blue bird as the icon on my tab. And now I'm like, where's Twitter? Where's Twitter? It's this black box with this X I can barely see. It's... Uh, really tough to for me. It's a bit of an adjustment here. So oh, I'm and work- by the way, yeah. 99% of programs, apps, or anything that have X as their icon is mm-hmm. porn. Yeah, well, that's, you know, I joked yesterday that, <laughs> what, that video, posting videos on Twitter are called, like, X videos, but I think that's also a name for a uh, for porn site, is it not? X videos? <laughs> it probably is. I saw people joking about it on Twitter, so I'm I'm regurgitating it. Oh, by the way, shout out to everyone, everyone in chat, talking about how excited we are to use cash tomorrow at the game. <laughs> Absolutely, guess what? They take cash. Cash is king. Cash is king. Dunk Dynasty, Rob Pepper, Trav. We'll see you tomorrow. The big wad. And um, you're going to pay cash, plenty of things to spend it. I'm definitely, I love paying cash. Always, always paying cash at the ballpark. I'll have to take a picture of you paying cash for your barbecue bowl. We're looking at the, the weather watch. Uh, Oh, it says that better be during the day tomorrow. Risk of strong thunderstorms. We will be there. Oh, let me see the 36 hour forecast here. Uh, I do want to say though, we got people have emailed out the tickets um, if you haven't accepted them, they're in your inbox. I know someone emailed me and said, "Hey, where's my ticket?" And I said, "Yeah, check your junk." And it was in his, in his oh, junk. There's okay. a couple people who haven't accepted, so make sure you do. And if you haven't, got I was it, one of them. I have accepted, though. I have accepted okay. since. If you haven't got, um, then send us an email: winnipegsportstalk at gmail dot com. There was someone in chat who said they never got it, but they never placed an order on their website, which is why they never got got the ticket. But we're in section. D, you know, maybe last minute we can add some. I'm looking at the weather. It says Wednesday evening, risk of strong thunderstorms. It's not 
Uh, not those ideal. Will just, those will just blow in. And by the way, it doesn't really matter because we all know that there's a storm shield around the city of Winnipeg. So Yes. Although there was, I was actually up really late last night because uh, incredible light show in the city last night. I didn't get a ton of rain around my spot. A couple times it rained a little hard. But man, the light, the the the, the sky was just absolutely popping with um, tons and tons of lightning of all sorts. So um, yeah, hopefully... That won't be the case tomorrow, but uh, we'll get out there. We'll get after it. If we have to wait a little bit, we'll uh, have a cold one and uh, maybe a barbecue bowl or some pierogies or something like that. That certainly will not be an issue. So, yeah, we'll see you all tomorrow night. And, again, if you do want to get a last-minute ticket, just try and get somewhere in Section D uh, when you're uh, talking or ordering online or uh, talking to the folks over at the ballpark. All right, let's get over to... uh, Cool bet lines for tonight. Big win. Did you stay up late last night for that Jays game, Remus? I know you're a big West Coast guy. Um, I loved it. You know, I was busy putting together some stuff, so working on the show. I actually forgot about it, so I was not watching it. But uh, I did see that they won when you met. I don't know. I was out of the loop. I was so focused, laser focused on doing uh, stuff stuff for this. Well, so you I did com- a great job on that. It forgot. actually turned out quite well. Yeah, so I actually forgot, but I did hear the storm here. It was pretty awesome, and I missed the ball. I'm actually disappointed. I didn't usually have it on on a tablet, but my baseball, I don't know. It's Since I had kids, Huss, uh, I haven't watched as many games. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know why that would be. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, they're certainly not up at that time. Yeah, exactly. But, um... Exactly. You're, you're right. I mean, I, <laughs> I didn't, wasn't doing any kids at, at midnight or whenever the game was on, so I'll have to tune in this week. Uh, lots of baseball tonight. Jays are plus 123 underdogs, and I believe it's what Bassett against uh, Ur- uh, Urias. Uh, I actually like the Jays' chances tonight. I thought they really gutted that one out last night. Some great relief pitching, including that newcomer, 92. Um, so we're going to jump on the Jays. And actually, we did crank out a little lock shop partner parlay. By the way, shout out to everyone that rolled with us on that CFL parlay on the weekend nice little plus 725 banger um all right we've got it up oh it's gone down a little bit i guess the odds have changed but we've got the tampa bay rays to win tonight the houston astros to win there at home to the texas rangers and the jays over the los angeles dodgers when we put that in it was plus 474 um, so we've got a boost over five to one plus five oh five right now. You can check that in the cool bet exclusives. And tomorrow morning, set your alarms, everybody. Canada and Ireland, massive, massive tilt. Really a must-win for our Canadian women at the at the World Cup if they want to be moving on. They are a favorite, a minus one fifty-nine favorite. Uh, Ireland, 5-1 to one underdog and a draw, plus 270. Canada, got to have it. So if you do want to back Canada, minus 159 on the home draw away board. Um, big win by Colombia last night. They beat the Koreans. And uh, shout out to the Philippines, who I believe won their first ever game today, beating New Zealand 1-0. Um, other games tomorrow include the USA taking on Netherlands. USA a favorite to win the tournament, but only minus 133 to win that game versus the Dutch tomorrow. So whether you're looking at the 3M Open, by the way, we did make golf picks today in the Lock Shop. Check that out and subscribe at Lock Shop Bets on YouTube. Um, So we've got 3M Open picks available 
Women's World Cup and Major League Baseball. And oh, and one other thing, actually, Remus, this is quite interesting and just kind of a fun discussion point. But we've also got odds for the Major League Baseball trade deadline. And a number of players, like who they'll make their first appearance for after August oh my 1st. God. <laughs> and obviously, Otani is the guy we want to talk about. Minus 270 that he is with the Angels still. And then the favorites to get him, Dodgers, Giants, Orioles, and even the last place, New York Yankees. Um, any other team is uh, that's not named, Braves are 22, Phillies 25, Red Sox 28. Any other team, 17 to one. And I do wonder, I mean, what the hell that package would look like to get Otani out of, out of the Angels, even with an expiring contract. I don't know, Huss. Um, it is going to be wild what happens. I think it seems like he might stay and they want to try to re-sign him. Uh, I'm That contract is going to be uh, the story of the MLB offseason, so I'm I'm looking forward to this. These are some hilarious bets here. The team Verlander makes his first appearance for. I think he's doesn't even no trade. I don't know the Mets. Uh, it just it hasn't. Does. I know Scherzer does. I okay, know Scherzer does. Man, they have so many pitchers. Holy crap! This is I've never seen bets like this. This is hilarious. Team Stroman. <laughs> awesome. Stroman ten to one for Toronto. Yeah, the and talk Lucas... the Stro show could be coming back to the six. Lucas Giolito from the uh, the White Sox and. No one's expecting that he's going to still be with the White Sox. I mean, they don't even list them as a possibility. It starts with the Dodgers at 2-1. to one. Yeah, same with Stroman. Oh, no, there's, sorry, the Cubs are, Cubs are there. Uh, that's funny about Gilito. I have him in two fantasy leagues, so I'm invested in that. Man, Goldschmidt, yeah, been a terrible year for the Cardinals, although that's minus 909 there, so they expect him to be. Man, this is so funny. Bellinger, Tim Anderson, Blake Snell. Yeah, trade deadline less than a week away, so. Uh, Otani, all eyes on him, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. if you're interested in this, get on over because these sort of things can change very quickly. So if you see a number that you like, jump on it. Uh, it's all over at Cool Bet in the Major League Baseball section. Use the promo code WST. If you haven't played at Cool Bet before for a 100% bonus on your first deposit, up to 200 bucks. All right, Reem, um, horse picks tonight. What do you got? I've, oh. I've got mine locked, loaded. I'm good. My... And ready to go for today um, after not doing anything last night. A couple close calls, but nothing. Uh, nothing My pick sucked yesterday. If there was an award for getting like two of three of a trifecta or triactor, uh, I would have done that a couple times. If you got an award for having an exacta, but in the wrong order, I would have won that too. But you don't get paid out for, for that, so. Anyways, oh, back to the... I, 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 have, I have no races until race four. So if you've okay. got any of the first so three... I, I have now. one. I just have one. And then I'm five, six, seven. One, I see the low odds. I don't think it's going to pay very much. Mia Bear, I don't care. That's my horse. $5 to win. Mia Bear, race one, horse two. I know that it's not paying a lot. I know. I don't care. I'm confident. Oh, going up against Lady Cop. Yeah, that, I know. That was a tough call, but that's what I'm um, going with. The big races are kind of sort of stacked towards the end. Um, I My first pick actually is in race four. Uh, number eight, Tale of Atreides. Tale of Atreides to win. 
uh, in race number eight. And then we move on to race number five. And I have another win wager on Orcadian Storm, number three in race number five. You got anything in five? I, I have that in a Triactor, uh, Trifecta box. Two, three, six. Murdo, Orcadian Storm, and Tis Bunny. Bit of a chalk, chalk one there. I don't care. I'm going to eat it and go for it here. All righty. So now we've got our Triactor boxes, or at least I do. Race number six. We're rolling with the 248. So that's a lot of bling, which is the favorite. Astar Tobe, which opened at 8 to 1, and Cordillera, which is a 10 to 1 shot. So a 248. Should be a nice one if uh, that uh, if that comes through. Although one of the $1 triactors last night Remo was almost a grand. What? Well, I saw, you know, yeah. I noticed that because I kept doing the tractor tractor boxes and it would be like the two favorites in some crazy long shot. Um, there was a couple times, so I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, too surprised they would say that, but still, like a $1 bet pays 1000 Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. Or, I mean, if you boxed it, it would be a $6 bet. But, uh, but, yeah, sort of, but, like it's, but you're doing, when you're doing a $6, it's 6 $1 Bets, you're just yeah, doing every exactly. combination. Yeah, you know it. Um, did you have anything in six? I do. I have, uh, how can I not bet on this horse? It sounds like a winner flying to the line. With a, I mean, come on. That's the winner right there. It's going to be flying to the line and winning. So I got, I got $5 on that one. Nice. All right, and then our final race is race number seven. It's a big one. And my buddy's horse, ride him. I told you this story about how they sold the horse to one yeah. of their other friends. He won the race, and then they bought him back. So essentially, they sold it, watched their buddy win, and then have reclaimed Ridem. And Ridem's had a good year, so I said I will definitely back Ridem. Uh, but race seven, I've got a four, eight, nine. So bottle of smoke, number four. Ridem number eight and A2 Babu number nine four eight nine. Hopefully that could be a winner. That could be a, a nice one considering that those horses are a little further down. What do you got for uh, race seven? Yeah, I thought about um, A2 Babu, but I went with this one. <laughs> Bottle of smoke to win horse four. Uh, look, he's got eighteen percent, paying five to one. Big field. 18% win percentage. I'm like a bottle of smoke here, so let's do that. Nice. I actually like bottle of smoke as well to win. Um, but as I say, it could be second or third as long as it comes with Ridem and A2 Babu. Uh, post time tonight is 7.30 p.m. You can also catch it on the Assiniboia Downs YouTube channel and check out Kirk and Stretch with all their picks coming up at, uh, at 6.45, right before everything gets going. Um, good show today. Fun to have uh, Joe Haggerty on. I got to tell you that um, the Bergeron news, and we'll spend more time talking about Bergeron, I'm sure. I mean, obviously, the most important thing to Winnipeg fans is what this means for Boston, you know, potential trades and whatnot. But, man, we were lucky to watch that career, man. 20 years of greatness in Boston. And as Joe said, really took the torch from Tom Brady as the face of Boston sports, which... Um, which comes with a lot, I think, as we know. But uh, guy won literally everything there is to win 
and did it with class the entire time. Even people that hate the Bruins, I think, have a soft spot for the greatness that was 37. Yeah, it seems like a, a great guy. Um, you know, loved hearing the comments from Joe, and I know, you know 20 years in Boston, Huss, that is a long time. Uh, and I saw they were interviewing Patriots players about him and what he meant to the city. You know, one Stanley Cup, uh, they lost two. Incredible legacy. We talked about Team Canada as well. Um, you know, what a career. And I think still could have kept going. Probably this game won the Selkie. But time for him to hang it up. But played through a punctured lung, played through crazy injuries. And I think, after you know, after 20 years, you know what, I've, I've done it. And he took the low salary last year, so he clearly wasn't playing uh, for money anymore, even though he probably could have made uh, at least double what he made last year. So... Um, good for him, and I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of, uh, you know, what they do for him is how quickly do they put up a statue. He's clearly going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, do they rename the Selkie after him? I'm not in favor. I'm not in favor of that, but uh, he did win it, what, five times or six times, Hus? I mean, that's crazy. What a, what a six career. Six times, six-time winner. Um, he is synonymous with, uh, you know, the best two-way forwards in the game and a lot of ways. And it's funny, Joe talking about his kid, I mean, not only just kids, but I think a lot of guys that have been in that dressing room yes. have had their careers sort of formed by by playing along with Patrice Bergeron and seeing the uh, the example that he sets every day. Yeah, absolutely. And we talk so much about the culture that they tried to create there. Uh, just Dan Ochara mentioning an interview that, you know, if you're a rookie, they don't uh, treat you any differently than yeah. any, any other player and uh, they want to make everyone uh, feel welcome in that dressing room. So, I mean... Marchand, the last guy left from the 2011 Stanley Cup. It's kind of, and it's kind of funny, and you know they traded quick in L.A., so they have Kopitar and Doughty from their Cup teams, but Chicago moving on from Taves and Kane this offseason. Um, kind of, this era is ending of the 2010s uh, dynasties where Bruin, well, and you can argue dynasties or not, but teams that were really good for a really long time and and won Stanley Cups and made Stanley Cup appearances like the Blackhawks, Kings, and Bruins. Uh, a lot of those key players, um, we're getting just a sign we're getting older, Huss. Yeah, no, there's no doubt another about sign. that. Uh, yes, yes, just, just, just what we need, more signs. Um, it is going to be bizarre to see a C on Brad Marchand's chest, uh, if that, assuming that that happens. Um. But as Joe said, probably a little bit more captain-like than he might have been earlier in his career. Um, late night game for the Jays tonight, 9-10. Gold Eyes get going at 6-30. Cinnaboy Downs gets going at 7-30. So you got plenty of options tonight. Um, join us tomorrow. Should be a great show. Uh, we should have some um, footage of the uh, Cup coming back to Winnipeg with Mark Stone and a chat with him. And Seabears coach Mike Taylor going to jump on as well and talk about the final regular season game and fill us in on the path to a championship for his Winnipeg Seabears. Looking forward to that. Um, huge thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen every day. And, of course, all of you, if you're with us on YouTube and you haven't already, hit that thumbs up. Make sure you hit that red subscribe button. Tell a friend about WST. And everyone, get ready. I look forward to seeing all of you that have got tickets tomorrow at the ballpark for a Winnipeg Sports Talk night. Hopefully you can get all the rain out a little earlier. Should have a great night down at the ballpark and what should be a beautiful and hot day for baseball. Having a couple beers and some great eats down at Shaw Park. 
We'll see you tomorrow at 1 p.m. on tomorrow's edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks for hanging with us, everyone, and have a great night. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.